Hello everyone, Robbie here. I'm excited to announce my eighth novel, Death Rattle, is now available for pre-order. Here's a brief description. The newest residents of Fleet, Texas are out for blood. The town of Fleet, Texas is dying, and longtime resident Ebner Graves can only watch. Ebner grew up in Fleet, fought for it in Vietnam, grew old there, and now it's drying up. Until the addition of Sunny Meadows, a planned community on the city's outskirts. Built by foreign investor Oscar Fuchs, it's bringing wealth back into the area, and Fuchs wants more. He's buying up property all over town and making generous offers with old money. But Ebner's not buying it. Fuchs isn't what he seems. And Ebner won't see his town become something he hates. And then townsfolk start dying. Everyone who stood in the way of Fuchs all ripped apart in gruesome murder. Suspicious, Ebner sneaks into Sunny Meadows and finds the source of the killings. Vampires. Sunny Meadows is their den and Fuchs their master. Now Ebner must stop him before Fleet is bled dry. Death Rattle is available for pre-order now and releases on July 26th. It's The Lost Boys meets Walking Tall and the best thing I've written yet. I would love for you to pre-order it via the links in the show notes. Thank you and on to the show. Look up there in the sky. It's a bird, a plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One D twenty. One D six. One fortnightly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Darman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. This is episode 292. Oh. The episode of tomorrow. You kind of did a voice there. I, I did. I did do the thing. Yeah. So I, I had to I had to take that baton and run with it. Um, we will be discussing Die. Mm-hmm. The, the Bart The. No one who speaks German could ever be evil. It's true. It's so true. Look at look at all those pastries and sausage they make. They're so wholesome. Uh, Got to get the Simpsons references, and it's very important. Did you did you see the terrible video that I sent you? I didn't watch it. I saw it and went, hmm. Do I? The, I I watched it and I went, hmm. <laughs> okay. It's taking me, it, it's it's difficult for me not to troll a person who calls the first eight seasons of The Simpsons the weird years. It was only the first five. I, He's I, the first I, five seasons. I, 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 never, I never really knew who the later se- seasons of The Simpsons were supposed to appeal to. And apparently it's this JJ guy who looks like Shaggy. <laughs> In a Ronald McDonald wig, dyed brown. Oh, um, we'll be talking about die later on. We're going to be talking about the, the book only Karen Gillan could create. Uh, <laughs> Hollowed be his name. Hollowed be his name. 
We're going to talk about that later. Uh, we have some books that came out this past couple of weeks to talk about. First, it is time for a first segment. It's time for Floppy Sport Nightly. Floppy Sport Nightly is a part of the show where Eric and I talk about selection of this past couple of weeks' books to tell you if you should buy them or not buy them. Uh, there is a much meaner gross one to five. Our first book of the week is X-Men, number one, written by Jerry Duggan, art Pepe Larraz, colors Marte Gracia, letters Clayton Cowles. I'm really glad we're getting an X-Men number one. <laughs> There's only so many of them. That's true. Can we just do, can we just, just every issue can be number one now? Just every single one? I, 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 I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, it this I I don't mind this one because it is the first book of this of it, like no the first I team book it. of the team. It's not unfounded, but I swear to God, like how many issues deep into the last X Men? It was were we really three years? That's that's uh, I don't know. I guess the last three years have been fraught with difficulty and have gone by in an eye blank for me. They have indeed. Um, this I had I I like this team. Some of the, multiple members of this were picked by a fan vote, um, and I that made me went hmm. And then I went oh Jerry Duggan's writing this, not Hickman. No Hickman at mm -hmm. all. I mean Hickman's probably like I don't know. This feels like them like slowly detangling Hickman from the X Men machine because it's been three years basically. Um, he he'll maybe like step in for some events. Yeah. Um, or co-write things with people. But and I was like, oh, and Jerry Duggan is very hit or miss for me. Um, some of his stuff I really like. And the other stuff I'm like, ugh. I, I do remember we've read plenty of his, in particular in the ye olden days when he was writing pretty exclusively like humor and like he did that run on Deadpool. And I really didn't like a lot of it. And then there's this, which I think is fucking awesome yeah I, it's really good yeah yeah i mean he, they 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 build a they they build a a, a fucking uh a pacific rim mecca out of garbage uh and cyclops uses an i-beam out of it it's just it, it's exactly what a, a comic should be fun mm -hmm. let me have fun should i be like big and fun Yes. And there is also an alien that is um, inhabiting uh, some fungus, inhabiting a dead astronaut's body uh, on some space station somewhere. Uh, that's really yeah. cool. Uh, there's 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 a there's a lot of balls in the air. And I think that's like this team is a really, I think, a strong team. and has a lot of good. uh I don't know, good at, like, all the, the different characters, I think, have their own little roles. They fit in both, both, like, you know, within the context of the team. Like, oh, we have the powerhouse, mm. we have the psychic. But then also in the context of, like, the meta narrative of, like, oh, we can explore this aspect of the team with this character. We can explore this aspect of the team with this character. I think that's also very, that, that, that's, it's well put together in that way, but, I, and also, this art is unbelievable. It's great. Pepper it's very, very strong. Very yeah. beautiful. Um, Do you know? I read um, this this fungus character, Cordyceps Jones. Mm -hmm. So he's going to take over Krakoa and install himself as king and rename it the Mushroom Kingdom. Is that what we're doing today? 
I mean, this is what I do every day. Waking up and choosing violence, I see we're doing. That's that's uh, how I roll, you know, baby. I know. Uh, this book's great. Schnick I'm, it, bub. I'm really excited for it. I'm debating. I might just resub- I had re- I subscribed to all of the the last X Men. Um, I'm probably going to subscribe to this one as well. I have a question for you, Eric. After reading this, mm-hmm. is and I I think they I think it is provoked on purpose. I think this issue is raising the issue on purpose because the X Men save the day in New York City. They have a treehouse in New York City. They have a headquarters there. And they save the day before either uh, the Avengers or the Fantastic Four can arrive. Mm -hmm. It was a nice nice moment. Yeah. Are the X-Men the number one team in Marvel now? I don't think they could possibly dethrone the Avengers. I, I just think given the shape of things there would that might be what they're trying to signal i don't know that they would really stand on that unless um you know the marvel movie company and disney start making a lot of money off of the x-men too well that will be i that's what i mean maybe the cynic in me would say you know what They've had a lot of Avengers movies, and that's kind of up in the air now. With a new, with they have to put together a new team after what happened in Endgame. Um, but you know they haven't done anything with, and now they have the rights to mm-hmm. the X Men. Um, if th- that's that is that is my answer, they start releasing X Men movies. Yes, they're going to, or if that starts happening behind the scenes, like if the X-Men get put out in front where Avengers has been out in front uh, ever since Avengers was important uh, because of the MCU. If the, 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 there will be X-Men movies not far behind. Gotta have that vertical integration. But I, I just, and I, I don't know if that's, if it's necessarily it if there is an answer even to this question, but it is, I think a testament to what Hickman did for the X-Men mm. because think back like five years ago. Yeah, it was rough. Um, was every, every couple of months we were stopping whatever was going on and doing a soft reboot. And here's a, another team of X-Men and you know, we'll throw a couple of people in that, you know, and, and then that's it. You know, it was just another reboot and another soulless reheated take on basically the same story. And, you know, it's because they can't invest a lot of time and money into shit that they're not going to pass up the content chain. The IP ladder. <laughs> yes. The IP ladder. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I just the question arose in my mind. I thought it, we could talk about it for a moment or two. This book is great. Uh, I'm invested in it. I'm a buy. It's it's lovely. It's lovely. We've got we've got all kinds of little villains having some seeds. Yeah, sown here. That's nice. So I love that. I had I yes, absolutely. The guy getting glass in his hand because he's mad about Mars. He made himself a Martian, and now <laughs> there's no yeah. reason to. Yeah, it's pretty good. This is like, well, I mean, if it was Elon Musk, uh, he would just call 
call Magneto a pedo. And uh, he tweet he tweet then, <laughs> about yeah, Magneto, and, and, and then and then invest a bunch of money in cryptocurrency, and then say it's a, f- a failure, and then try and <laughs> and then try and renavigate how to raise the value again after. Uh, we're double by X Men number one. Next up, Crush and Lobo uh, number two, written by Mariko Tamake, art Amanke Nahuelpen, colors Tamara Bonvillain, letters Ariana Mauer. Uh, it's ta- it's Tamra. Tamra? Didn't I say that? Tamra. I think you said Tamra. Tamra Bond villain. I remember mm-hmm. Bond villain because you made the point that she always she just says it's bon- like Bond villain, but it's Bond villain. I yeah. I asked her. I asked her in person. Yeah. She's a lovely person, by the way. I'm. I am. I, I mean, am very fond of her. This the art and this is great. Um, I this uh, is a yeah. little bit of an experiment. Uh, because we missed number one, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I wonder what if we just read number two. I wonder what what's going to happen. I guess that kind of explains a little bit. This does not read like a number two. A number two. At no, all. not at all. This absolutely reads like a number one. I literally did not even notice that it was a number two. Um, it makes me really curious what the hell happened in number one because this is just really like does. this feels like this, a this number one. Absolutely feels like a starting point. I am a little disappointed. In this book, I don't think it's bad. I just am disappointed uh, because I don't think it's overwhelmingly good. And I have a lot of love for Mariko Tamaki as uh, a writer, particularly of women characters, um, really soulful stories. Maybe I'm looking at this with the wrong lens because this is really stupid. Um, and, And maybe that is... This was just written to be a stupid comic for gay teens. Yeah. I don't know. Because I'm, that's all I can see in this. I, let me ask you a question, Eric. Did you ever read it, Lobo back in the 90s? No. Okay. Um, I kind of want to. Like, I've kind of come around full circle. And, like, I kind of unironically love Simon Beasley artwork now. I used to hate it. I used to hate all of it with the exception of his Weapon Lord artwork. Now I think I love everything he's ever done <laughs> just because it's so stupid and awesome. And like, I kind of get it now. Like I, I appreciate it on a stupid and ironic, awesome level. It's finally, I have crafted the bullshit intellectual framework to let me enjoy a dumb thing. This is to me like, and if you'd read those, I th- I've read a little Volobo. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what this, it, like, I think it is, okay, look at the template of what that old Lobo, those old Lobo books were, and then add in, yeah, but for gay teens, basically, you mm-hmm. know, like, for, for a younger, more, a, a different young crowd versus what was tar- they were targeted for in the 90s, um, and make Lobo in this, make this book queer, effectively. Um, so it's... It is that, and like I don't, I, I, I think it is. I think it is doing what it wants to do. Like I think this is what it wants to be. It be a big, a big stupid book that doesn't. It is not like big and epic. It is like the you know crush trying to get coffee and then fighting mm-hmm. the the brain monster that is her barista <laughs> or whatever it is. I don't know what the hell this monster is, but whatever it is, it's a, it's a crying. It looks like a crying too. Yeah, is it? Is that a race? I didn't know if. In DC, I believe there are other Krangs. Yes, we read we read Ninja Turtles. There are no, other but Krangs. I mean, n- Turtles aren't in DC. 
unless they're crossing over, which they do occasionally. <laughs> I mean, that did happen, yes. Yeah, they've done it multiple times. Um, I, you can literally point to Batman Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I'm... Frankly, I'm surprised Batman's not in this book. <laughs> Give it time. <laughs> just yeah. wait. Just wait. Um, I am on board for this. I just think I'm on board for this in trade. I'm. I am theoretically on board for this. I have caveats. Okay. Um. Why is Crush skinny? These all the artwork that I've seen in this cover, Crush looks thick. Don't. I'm not feeling it. Okay. Give 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 me Lobo's fat daughter. I want that. Also, her girlfriend is a manic pixie dream girl, and um, she really... that's a trope that should have died. <laughs> she wears a, she has a dress that has bats on it. Yeah, and they, they literally <coughs> the hell is wrong with my throat. They literally met in a children's playground, like a, a McDonald's slide. <laughs> yep, they did. Um, which Meet that's. Cute. That's yeah. That's dumb. It is very dumb. The manic pixie manic pixie dream girl shit is dumb and not great. Even if it is two two girls, I mean, it I doesn't, it doesn't make it better. It just makes it gayer. No, but I I I think I'm this book is a very is gonna be like you pick you pick up a trade of this and it's just like a bunch of dumb silliness. And I'm I'm interested to see her and Lobo, you know, father and daughter. Yeah, wrecking stupid shit in the galaxy. Um, but I'm I'm fine for that. It's like I I am I support this in theory, but not into the practice of this issue. I am I am a buy the trade. I believe we've codified that into our lexicon now. Well, I mean, does that make you a do not buy on this issue? Probably. I mean, wait first. I would say when the trade comes out, buy it. I think that's fair. I think I'll I'll I will mirror that um because i would not want to buy another i would not want to buy another issue of this i i think it, it be, will read better in in trade i think this will be yeah. stronger in trade um and i'm there is definitely i i think that is not necessarily a problem it is simply a problem with how comic books are sold and how they are written and how we are expected how I don't know. It's not the only book this week where I'm going to say it's a perfectly... I think I like it, but I think I'd like it more if I was reading the trade. Um, that is a double wait for trade on Crush Lobo number two. Next up is Barbaric number one, written by Michael Morecci, art Nathan Gooden, colors Addison Duke, letters Jim Campbell. I fucking love this comic book yes yes this is this comic is perfect this is a fucking amazing comic book Mm-hmm. it's incredible it's great it's the stupidest fucking shit <laughs> in the whole world <laughs> and i love it the talking axe there's wolverine conan with the earplugs it's full of tits um there's a witch is incredibly she becomes a protagonist incredibly violent yes but you know the 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 axe gets drunk on blood she's got a skull she's got a skull tattoo on her face she who the witch the the captive um I think that's a tattoo. Maybe it's a scar. I don't know what it is. There is certainly an outline of like a skull. I thought it was like an effect. She was doing a thing. That's also quite possible. 
um this 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 is uh this perfectly understands what it wants to be understands its tone perfectly it is very funny i don't i i will i i think i always note when i laugh out loud at a comic book and i laughed mm-hmm. out loud at this comic book at this stupid axe making fun of this barbarian who mm-hmm. wants to be just a complete dick because it's a barbarian, but the axe is like, no, you're cursed. You have to do the right thing. And he's like, fucking goddamn, all right. You know, I gotta, gotta save people, whatever. Uh, this, and- this barbarian is is like a a character from a fucking Mastodon song, like from yes. 2006. Uh, the art is amazing. It's great. It's so it's so tonally spot on yeah for this story like the it's 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 so such an interesting style like i don't recognize this this artist and i really should know them because it's got like a really wonderful balance of like more standard uh comic book art but like it's expressive and cartoony and like big emotive, like really, really good stuff. Um, like the, the character acting in it is tremendous and everyone is like doing great big poses and great faces. And it's just, it's just really super solid. I, uh, I, I really, really love it. It's like, it's like, honestly, like it kind of makes me think of like a midway point between, you know, one of those heavy hitters like a Linnell Yu and Scotty Young or something like that. Did I lose you? No, I'm just listening. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, it is, it, it, it certainly, it kind of feels at home with like, with old heavy metal stuff, but also mixed with a certain modernity. It, yeah. It is incredibly fun. We are talking about how much comic books should be fun. This book is the funnest. It has a talking mm-hmm. axe, and this only the barbarian and the witch can see it. And the, you know, there's people getting heads chopped in half, and all kinds of stuff is it's it's dirty and filthy, and full mm-hmm. of curse words and blood and nudity. And I he he, he fucks a giant orc too. He, he does. He does. It's really good. Yeah. Um, great. It's really good. Um, I spoke. I spoke earlier of like, oh, I'm gonna. I think I might subscribe to. X. I've already subscribed to this uh, comic because regardless, fucking, it's a winner. Regardless, yeah. if we read this on the podcast ever again, I'm gonna be continuing to read it because it it brought me joy. Mm-hmm. Like I just felt happy while I was reading it's, it. It sparked joy. Yeah, it sparked joy. Uh, I am a buy. You should buy this comic book. Go buy this comic book. Most easiest decision I've made today. Yeah. Double by Barbaric, number one. Next up is Mamo, number one, uh, by Saz Millage. Uh, written, drawn, whatever, all, everything. Com- uh, writer the, and artist. Who's the person that did, um, oh God, I can't even remember the names of these books. We both really liked her books, and she had a very Claire, Claire Loon style like this. Eleanor Davis? yeah. And I said that this looks like it was drawn by a person named Eleanor. Mm-hmm. This this looks like it's drawn by a person named Sauce Millage. Um, I 
it, 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 this rankles my old man haunches, but this is a good book. Um, <laughs> like, I think that there's some parts of this that are like kind of insufferable. Um, that it's just got a bunch of like meandering dicking around that doesn't really seem to matter. Add, yeah. It doesn't even, it doesn't add any character development or ambiance or anything uh that isn't already there um and that bothers me you know in ways that it shouldn't it just feels like a lot of twee staring at at this person's ocs this is this is a very fucking nice comic book though um yeah it's very pretty it's I, I I think it's very 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 good. It just like I said, it it uh, it makes the many many hairs on my old man back stand up with a little bit of a little a little bit of rage. You I, know, I'm I, yeah. shaking my fist at the at the at the the cloud as it were. Yeah, hey, how dare you take all these pages and only kind of just have you know be less efficient with them. It's not even that. It's just something about the little silly twee nature <laughs> of the way this is done. And I mean, this person is massively talented. Like this is um, an interesting little world she's building, even though this is wholesale ripping off Miyazaki. Um, not even like just like t it's like taking a Miyazaki dvd you know like the meme like here i made this you made this now i made this you know mm -hmm. like like this person owes everything to kiki's delivery service and spirited away but i mean i don't know we're all in that 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 angry old man's debt yeah <laughs> the, the, the anime was a mistake um mm -hmm. I here I think this is very good. I agree with everything yeah. you said. Yeah. I think it looks good. You also I, are a grumpy old man. I am I am a grumpy old man, but I think I have a bigger problem than that is that Oh, please tell me. This should not be a comic. This should not be a single issue of a comic book. This should I should be a picked I should have found this in a gra a book, a graphic novel, whatever you, a format that is a yeah. whole entire story and I should have just been I I don't see why this is serialized release the series yeah I, and i i mean i agree with you this is the the a, a thing that i'm immediately reminded of is like nimona or something like that even though that's the opposite that was released as like single pages online or whatever yeah that's like the exact opposite of what the way you and i experienced it which was reading it as a complete collection yeah. Um, so maybe that's a poor example, but I tend to agree with you like little, little things like this. I don't think they should be experienced this way, even though I don't think this suffers from a lot of the problems that bad first issues suffer from. I think this does a good job of establishing interesting characters, stakes, it, I mean, it does it in like 40 or 50 fucking pages or something. Yeah, it's 40 pages. Um, yeah, 39 pages, like a, a basically a double-sized first issue. Um, but it still does it really well. It communicates good emotion. Like, we know, we know stakes. 
we know something about characters' personalities. Um, it's okay that it's done in a fluffy way. Yeah, I um, I, I think I don't know if this. I I think my complaint about it should be a graphic novel is that I feel like it maybe this is a story that doesn't have a necessarily an ending you know maybe it could Mm -hmm. be monster of the week for however long they want she wants the story to be you know maybe and I definitely don't see it as a monster of the week this is I feel like this is I almost feel like we'll find other things but I feel like the majority of the emotional core of what this story will unfold to be. We've been introduced to all of it. Yeah. Like this is about this town and this witch and her grandmother and, mm-hmm. you know, and this, and, and this, this other family that's this, become and, entangled with them. Yes. Yeah. And I don't, I don't expect it to be bigger than that. Like, Oh, they're going to need to go on a road trip after they clean the town and then mm-hmm. go fight more monsters. I don't think that's going to be the story. I feel like it's going to end here and that's going to be the shape, but Maybe it will be. Maybe this is 35 issues or something. But if, if it's six, it should have just been a graphic novel to start, I feel like. I don't know. Um, I it, It's still very good, and I would not say don't buy this issue because I don't think it ends in, like, a, a place that doesn't make sense. Like, it does – it sets mm-hmm. that hook. But I, I will be I, – I think I'm, like, both a buy and a buy, wait for trade on this because I feel like it's – I'm split – because mm. I, I will be absolutely I buying the trade of this. This is really good. I think I do not know this artist. I do not know this creator. Um, but if I am guessing this is a young creator, I think I'm assuming they're pretty young. I'm assuming this is like, let me check on, on comicsology so I can have better information. Maybe they have thousands of credits here. Um, what is this? They have uh, they have a graphic novel pun- published under DC, which is interesting. Yeah, they worked they worked um, on the Lost Carnival with the DC. It also looks it also looks the blue and white in it looks very nineties to me. It's funny, very um, clouds maybe. Um, this looks very that and that graphic novel was written by Michael Morecci, who wrote Barbaric neat which it all comes full circle i was gonna say but that but that is a looks like a it's like a almost like a ya book like a yeah. dick grayson well, the, the, origin the, story the look right the look of this and like the claire loon style and it looks like a thing that young folks uh are very very into it seems like no one even looks at artwork that's not in the style so i'm gonna assume this person is like mid to you know mid to early 20s and they graduated from uh you know an art school with a a um she's one she, of the she has a project from 2017 that was like her college big college graduation yeah. thing so and th- they probably, probably right. They, right they probably came from a scad or something like that with a sequential art program and because they all come out drawing stuff that looks a lot like this and this person in particular this this book I mean, I think it's really beautiful looking. I think it's really nice. I think this person's extremely talented. Um, but it does kind of play to those stereotypes that I have, um, you know, not necessarily for bad. It's just a thing that I noticed. Uh, they, they feel like a very much a product of 
that system. Um, it's it's fun though. Um, I think it's a thing that's mostly not for me, but I will appreciate it a lot. I do think this can shape up to be something very nice. And given the way that the DC book is drawn compared to this, this is made with a lot of love and passion. I'm gonna, um, I, I think that's beautiful. I, she, it says that on her website, it says she's currently mm-hmm. working on an original graphic novel, M- Mamo, for Boom Studios. So that tells me, if it says original graphic novel on on her website, that mm-hmm. Boom decided to. That sounds split about it up. right. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. I mean, that's a. I'm, I'd, I'd never thought that it was necessarily her decision. Right. Um, it does feel like a, a publisher slash editorial decision, just simply because that's the market. Yeah. I don't know. Double I'm getting. Yeah, I mean, getting a getting a four or five dollar book on a shelf, um, and getting a graphic novel in a store like you have more shelf space and more potentially more eyeballs on your um, no name passion project. Yeah, you know, like it's not an IP that's going to collect eyeballs. Um, anyway, I think I I launched into that whole rant that I think you should buy this issue to support a small creator like this um, because I think this is good despite the fact that I'm a crabby old man and I've been watching, I've been watching young people draw in this Claire Loon uh, twee art style for what feels like 7,000 years. That's a long time. Um, Eric, 7,000 years. I don't, even, I don't even know what time is anymore, but I'm just, um, I'm, I'm toe up from the flow up. We are constantly past and present. I'm, are you, you're, so I, that makes, I'm going to say we're a double buy. You are, yes. you heard all that discussion that we just had. I, I, I mean, I came here to say words and chew bubble gum and I, it's impolite to chew into the microphone. Yeah, I got, I got that TMJ. I can't, uh, I can't chew gum. There you are. Is that a shoot? That's a shoot. That's a shoot. I didn't know. I did not know. Got that TMJ. I did not know you had the TMC in your face. I got the, oh God, that's even worse. Please don't get, get it out of there. Uh, our last book of this week is Ordinary Gods, number one, written by Kyle Higgins, art Felipe Watanabe, colors Frank William, letters Clayton Cowles. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. This is this is um, shit. Kieran Gillen. What is it called that it's exactly this? Um, oh, <laughs> can't think of the name. I didn't. I didn't even. I did not even. Uh, you make, didn't. You didn't. I did not make the comparison. Together that it's the no, exact same thing. I now I can't remember what the fuck it's called. Uh, why are we stupid? This why are great. we stupid? It's <laughs> a good question. I'll tell you in in a moment. Um, uh, Wicked and divine. Yes, it's a weird, it always has been a weird kind of, I feel like I've, I've always had memory issues surrounding Kieran Gillen. I've called him for most of my life, Jamie McKelvey, because I'm a dumb, dumb. Um, but yes, this is the wicked and the divine uh, with, with more shooty, shooty, bang, bangs. With a little bit um, more, uh, I don't know, it's. Both larger and smaller in scope than the Wicked and the Divine, it feels like. 
A little girl kills her parents. I know. that, it, And it's very... That... I'll say this. Grizzly. That moment sh- stunned me. I was like, oh, wow. Yes. I, all right. I see what this book... This book is not... It's it's uh, not afraid to kill its darlings, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, I, I think I that that moment here at the end that did you know it did uh, get me it got me it got some brownie points for me because I I can uh, acknowledge any time a book is just is brave enough to like nah we're definitely you this is about bloody murder here you go mm-hmm. this poor family's dead now except for the one dude yeah who has a god inside of him I guess. I, I think my problem it's, it's literally God, it's exactly the same fucking thing. God's being incarnated into fucking people and they awake at some point in their life. That's exactly the whole fucking crux of Wicked and Divine. Yeah, and I I don't know. It's I find all the stuff with this guy interesting. You mean Hugh Jackman? No, not Hugh Jackman, the 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 okay. the, the black kid. Uh Okay. I, I find him That's his only defining characteristic, is it? I mean, it, he he is the only he's the one black. He's he the is one black person now that his whole fucking family is his. Yeah, there's no other black people now uh, in this comic book, at least not yet. Um, But I like his stuff. I like him in like seeing as a, a therapist. I like him going mm-hmm. to the mall with his sister. I like this very grounded story about, you know, him struggling with what to do with his life. And then there's these scenes with Hugh Jackman being like all John Wick and in, in fighting like the Yakuza or something in the beginning of the book. And then and then this backstory where we see these gods fighting. And I'm like, I don't care. Well, they're gods fighting. I don't know who they are. They're just like, oh, that guy's big. And this that lady looks like Thor. And they're, then that one is like a bull man. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hmm. I mean, it looks beautiful. Art's great. I think it's fine, but it doesn't really it doesn't really uh, rev my engine. Doesn't get you going. Mm-mm. But I I don't know. I think I'm a very mushy buy on this. Very mushy. I don't think I I come away so neutral. Okay. Because I mean, I agree. I'm very disgusted by that panel where the mom is getting stabbed to death in the neck and she's looking straight at us. Like it's a very effective and disturbing panel. And this book is probably going to have lots of that kind of thing, <laughs> which I, I think is good. It's good writing, but I, I do not walk away feeling compelled to find out what happens next or learn more about this world or these characters. I imagine this will be pretty good um but i i don't care right now you know it could be that i'm gonna find out later that it's incredible and i need to read it but until then i'm not i can't sign off on it i i I just say no i'm gonna pass okay i have a question for you eric okay it it changes what this comic book is but there is part of me you know the theory crafting part of me that goes what if this comic book didn't have anything about the gods in it, what if it was just, we just see this kid leading yeah. his life 
and then we're dropped in and suddenly his sister goes crazy, kills his parents. And then this man breaks in. There is no explanation about gods. There's no explanation yes. about why. And they start just this guy, the Hugh Jackman comes in and is like, hey, you're the luminary. We need you. Yeah. Is that a- I find that far more compelling. Yeah, I think I do, too. Then I think that that's a, a good example of less is more. You know, you you leave all this shit is underpinning. And I think I do find it way more interesting. And you um, can and turn some of this into exposition dump with as they are traveling, you know, with uh, the, the this huge Jackman telling this guy like, hey, uh, you got a God inside you, et cetera, et cetera. And then you do a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Front loaded all up here. Um, I'm a mushy by five. So that's a split decision with a mush meter of five. Ordinary gods number one. Uh, that'll do it for floppies this week. We can move on to our next segment. It is time for checking in. Checking in is the part of the show where Eric and I talk about what we've been up to uh, the past couple weeks. What have you been up to, Eric? I think you probably checked in with Hades at some point. I did indeed. Um, I bought it on the recent Steam sale. I'm really glad I did. I'm obsessed with it. It does that um, to you. That game gets your it gets hooks in you. It does. It's got some hooks. Um, I really, really like it. It's hard to believe that it only came out in 2020 because it feels like it was a thousand years ago that everyone on my Twitter timeline was talking about it and posting fan art or whatever. I mean, it took over. The, yes, <laughs> it took over. I mean, rightly, rightly so. Um, I have always loved the art direction of these super giant games, but never really liked the gameplay. And I could not get too far into the game. I mean, Bastion and Transistor both look beautiful, but Transistor in particular, I was so bored of playing it. No, after I didn't. 30 minutes. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I beat Bastion. I never got very far in Transistor. Uh, the I couldn't. I did not like it. It was not. I mean, it was. They, I, they were all almost as beautiful but hades is like still it's just a fucking masterpiece did you ever play pyre no is that a, a whole other game that came out in between these it was between transistor and uh between transistor and hades and hades technically was in early access for a long time before it came out last year mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know it had it, when you're thinking remembering it seemed like it's been in the, the zeitgeist longer is probably because it's been was in like early access that's for a long possible, time. but I can't imagine a bunch of comic artists. Um, oh no, it exploded last year. Don't get yeah. I mean, you're you're. That's you're, what I'm saying. I'm just they're not going to draw a bunch of fan art and like ten or twenty, thirty people that I follow. It, like something is going to be released, released if that many people. That I mean, they're not every comic artist I follow is an early access kind of video game player um but uh i think that i don't know you 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 probably told me it was great i really we were conversing about like i really wanted to play spelunky to spelunky 2 and it was between spelunky 2 and hades and you were like get I've played them both, get Hades, it's not even close. And I'm like, man, I really want to play Spelunky. And I bought it and returned it because 30 minutes of that game and I wanted to throw myself off a bridge. 
Spelunky Sue is, I, it is like, it is here. I can respect it and I can admire mm-hmm. that it is well, well made and it is, it, but it is a very pure rogue like game where every run is exactly the same. You start with nothing every single time, except the only knowledge, the only thing you start with differently is your knowledge. And mm-hmm. it is a very pure like platformer, but I, it's incredibly hard and I don't find it very rewarding. I don't find it very rewarding either. I find it way, 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 way too punishing where Hades is very hard and very punishing, but you do have a feeling of growth and it gives you enough room to breathe and get the sense of what the game is. And there's just so much lushness to so so much style. I don't even like, I don't even like calling it style. It just feels so thoroughly well actualized. The world feels so, so real. And it's got such a point of view you know, it's got this very Guilty Gear meets uh, Mike Mignola-like look to it, which is just absolutely gorgeous. Um, all the characters have such well-thought-out personalities, and they suit their archetypes so well. It's re- like it, It's been a while since I've given half a shit about uh, Greek mythology, but it gets me hyped. It's so interesting. And it's the kind of backstory that I think everyone knows just enough about to be interested in it. Um, the, the, uh, the, so the, good. The, the voice work is really, uh, the, the really voice acting well. is really good. Basically across the board. I can't think of, you know, a thing that's interesting about it. Um, and when we, you know, uh, you might be think that you might think that I'm seeing Sandman in my sleep now, but I feel like there's some definite Sandman influence on this. I mean, first and foremost, uh, Orpheus is literally just Morpheus. Uh, I don't know what are you, weenie. What are you talking about, Eric? I don't know what you you're just making stuff up. What do you mean? Really? They're, they're, one is Orpheus and one is Morpheus. Okay, totally different. Look, one has an well, M in there. Is, there was there was an or, or the, the Orpheus, the person that he is, is literally in the Sandman. So I know. I know. I'm, just, I'm just teasing you. Uh, you're just joshing me. Just joshing you. It's just it's just a rib. I I but it's it's something about how the Greek gods they're like a little bit more like the endless, you know like Nyx and like chaos, like they're more like the endless and not quite like the way that I've seen them classically portrayed, which is just like shitty people with a lot of power that just kind of do what they want and look over a thing like the, like Nyx has a domain chaos has a domain, you know, like Hades is Hades is basically Morpheus actually. You know, just kind of a gruff asshole who only cares about doing his job. It's uh, there is I think it's a feedback loop in that, you know, I think that uh, Neil Gaiman was drawing upon a lot of classical influences when he oh, created Sandman. And then the people who made telling 80s, me that the story that literally has the Emperor Augustus in it was. No, but I mean, looking, looking at looking uh, at classical uh, references. But I mean, I think that then the people who made Hades 
you know, read Sandman, and then there's a, that, and then looked back at the same references, like this, just that tra- yeah. that trail of like how, and then Neil Gaiman looked at Swamp Thing, you know, and like there's that, like that. It's trail I'm not presenting of, it like, as a negative. I just find it so interesting. Um, I don't. It's seeing the influences of a thing I love. It usually makes me very happy. Um, it. I don't know that it's necessarily a sell. I mean, I fucking. Well, I like Mike Mignola, but I love Guilty Gear. Um, and uh, have you you have you gotten through uh, the Minotaur yet? The Minotaur in person. I Theseus? cannot beat. I cannot beat Theseus in the Minotaur yet. There, it's a there is definitely the first couple of bosses. I kind of got through relatively quick, but when they were them, and then finally Hades himself, there is like a there is like a. Well, I did not know that Hades was the final boss, so thank you for the spoiler. I, how did you? Okay, well, you'll find out soon enough. Um, <laughs> I that's uh, not that it's not that big a spoiler. It, I, um, but I, I, I knew I, I knew well before I got to him that I would be fighting him. Maybe just because I was so on Twitter. I yeah, that wasn't it wasn't spoiled for me. I had managed to miss it. Um, guess what, Robbie? A chicken butt. Snape kills Dumbledore. Oh no! Um, um, I was going to tell you is that as you get through stuff, uh, the story itself does adapt and change as you beat the game. You know, it's yeah. not; it does not end. You beat the game one time. There is yes. more going on. So it does. It, it the game feels like there's within a relatively simple scaffolding of it is run based. You can you can level up some things to uh, increase the strength of your character over time as in, you know, there's collectibles and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm losing my perspicacity here. I don't know. What, uh, <laughs> I don't know what you were going to say. I'm, I'm, I'm having a very ADHD moment today. Where did, what was it you said? I said the when game changes it? as you beat it. It, it, yes, it adapts I was just going to, I was just going to lead to, it hints at there being like a just ridiculous amount of content. Yeah. Um, and it being difficult to unlock. Um, I kind of wish there was less content. Uh, like, I don't know how in the fuck I'm going to farm all those diamonds um, that I need. There's like got to be 20 or 30 of them. Oh, I didn't. Um, I don't guess I what. Guess what? You just don't. <laughs> You don't need sure all of them. You don't really need all of them. You just you well, I mean I I know I don't have to unlock every fucking uh song or whatever. Yeah. But like I I can't even imagine like what the fuck are you even doing to get them all? It really doesn't seem like there's enough you, places where you can even get them. Well, you you put those uh I forget what they're called, the curses or something like that. The the game make the game harder. Mm-hmm. Um and you you le- you basically just put a bunch of them on you and it it basically increases rewards there's ways to gain it so that you get more than you know just you would in a normal run also you beat beating the game gets you a significant amount as well so that is a way Mm. to get a good lump and after a while eric like at first it feels like oh this game's so hard how the hell am i gonna get i can't even get past the third boss how the hell am i gonna get to the last boss and beat him but then Mm -hmm. you get there's a certain point a tip you tip over and now like if i if i i mean i haven't played in a long time if i went back i'd probably be rusty but after a certain point you know what you're doing you know the builds you like 
it's trivial to beat the game. It becomes, it's just like, oh, I'm, I feel like I'm going to beat, hey, I'm going to play, go th- do a run and beat it. And you're like, if you, and you're like, okay, you do it. You just decide. You've to do always it. been a little bit better at video games than me, honestly. You're, um, you're, I, you're I, not shabby. I, I, I struggled a lot um, on the first couple of playthroughs of just to beat Meg. But I mean, you know, part of that was just like had no idea what the fuck I was doing uh, at there's that a, point. But there's a lot of systems the, to learn. Yeah, it's it is complicated and layered and it expects you to play that way. Like you're supposed to be stacking damage with just about everything that you're doing. And the more you can the more you can do that, the more you can cheese through stuff and you can be doing damage and and getting b- b- bonuses and boons and yeah you know getting dual boons and all this shit and you know you're it it is i think it is learning a little bit how to how to find that delicious cheese for sure but uh, um i don't know at, at, kind of at its heart it's a little bit like a mega man game or something that like bosses and enemies have patterns and you just have to know how to manipulate it and or you know dodge and wear them down yeah you re- you recognize um, you start to learn and recognize things just as it, like, i've always been i've always been pretty bad at those kind of games because i'm uh a little impatient but it is um certainly for safe play you need to be pretty patient and learn the patterns and not get greedy with your um uh, you're attacking and whatnot. That's seems to be a pretty winning strategy. Yeah, it's a part um, of it. Yeah. Hey, Eric. Well, I had more I was going to talk about, but it can be your turn, buddy. No, I was going to say Hades is great. Okay, it is great. It is great. What else are you going to so say? Is it, is, it, is it still my turn? You can say whatever you want. I was just saying Hades is great. <laughs> I'll just make I'll just make scatting noises. For I mean, we did. Minutes. We just did talk about Hades for three hours, but I mean, what else you want to I, talk it about? It was at least three hours. No, I have a YouTube channel. What? I don't believe you. Yeah, I uh, I recently kind of rediscovered this channel. I've been subscribed for a while. Um, I don't think they're that big a channel. I mean, I know that if I had five hundred thousand subscribers, it would really be consuming my life. Uh, but they are a music channel. They are called Trash Theory, Trash Theory on YouTube. Um, and that it's, it's just really interesting music nerdetry, um, like the history of these bands and they'll like explore. It's very much, it's, I mean, it's very fitting that we're talking about Kieran Gillen, but it, cause it, feels like he's the author of this channel <laughs> you know it's like brit pop deep lore and obsession about just about everything in music and i really dig that like i just really like its presentation and they'll do crazy deep dives on the history of like there's a i started with bands that i'm familiar with that i thought i would find interesting and i'm just going to start watching the ones that i have no idea uh, because I think the storytelling is that good and interesting and you get a really full and interesting picture of these music and art movements and kind of what's going on in these people's lives at the time. Like I've recently watched uh, his his video on the Spice Girls and it was kind of amazing. 
Um, Spice up your life. And that he was he was kind of telling the story that they started out being a manufactured uh, answer to boy bands that like a small music publisher was trying to farm and they did tryouts and hired these five women. And basically these women became really good friends over this long period of time when they were employees without a music contract. And then they said, fuck you uh, with the songs that they had written. Uh, And they went and got a better deal with someone else. And it became a huge fucking hit for a while. Um, it's a really interesting story and he tells it really, really well. Uh, and it kind of made me, I mean, I didn't have, it made me see them in a different light. Let's see, because, you know, I, I just thought it was manufactured bullshit, silly pop music with a, you know, a really tired girl power, uh, theme to it. But basically everything that I ever understood about it was wrong. And this, this channel does a really excellent job of telling the human sides of that and talks about the influences and how different bands relate. It's really interesting. It's really, really interesting. Trash theory. Trash theory. Yeah. It's a very UK centric, uh, kind of channel. You know, this person is, is, uh, very obviously a Brit bonger. Um, but it's still really good. There's a tremendous amount of music that, you know, a, a lot of great musicians, a lot of very important musicians were either influenced by or, you know, were British. Um, I rewatched the uh, I think he just released. That's kind of what got me hooked on it today because um, I, like I had been subscribed and he, he had just released a video on why the gorillas happened. And it's very interesting. Um, so I definitely say give it a watch. Give it a watch. I'll add mm-hmm. it to my uh, to the list of uh, YouTube channels. Your YouTube subscriptions. My YouTube sub- subscriptions. I'm pretty. I am pretty severe with what I say. Subscribe to. You know, if after a few months I'm not paying attention, I I cut it. I cut it off. I cut it loose. So that I don't think that I. You'll still probably see their videos. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to follow, Eric. Are you, do you have anything else you'd like to talk about, Eric? No. Two two things. Two things is supposed to be our cutoff. I don't need to I don't need to talk about the other stuff right now. I will, then I will follow the same formula that you just followed. I'll talk about a video game first, and then I'll talk about a YouTube channel. Uh, Paradise Killer is the game I want to talk about. I bought it. I believe on, I've heard of this one. I bought it on the Steam sale. Uh, just like you did with Hades. This is also a game from, I believe, last year. Um, I I don't know how to describe it. Uh, it is an incredibly bonkers game. Uh, it has so many influences. The gameplay itself is not very complicated. It is kind of like Ace Attorney. Where, oh, yeah. Where it's like a sort of a visual novel where you're building, you know, finding evidence you're assigned you're a investigator and you're trying to solve a murder and you're finding evidence and in interviewing people and trying to you know build a case to who's the guilty and okay that part pretty cut and dry uh and it, but to do so you are uh, doing 3D platforming in 
a relatively large open space island where the murder happened, Paradise. Um, so you're jumping around and and doing you know sometimes kind of difficult <laughs> platforming to get to certain areas because that's a clue or that's a that's a currency that you can use to buy access to different clues and things like that there's a lot of things to find that are hidden inside this island but largely the reason the game I, this is what i puzzled out is largely the reason the game is a 3d platformer lar- most of the gameplay is talking to people and in, in, in interviewing them or even in interrogating them and finding these clues in this big open area and filled with buildings and, 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 and plants and, and environments and stuff like that. I haven't described the setting yet because the setting itself is almost impenetrable, but <laughs> the gameplay itself is it, the game wants you to explore this area. You know, it wants you to dig into the lore of this world. It wants you to, to kind of look in every little nook and cranny to pull out details of what this world is because the gameplay itself is solid. Like for it's not, obviously it's pretty simple. You know, it is like the, the writing is good in the visual novel slash investigation stuff, which is important. Writing has to be good in this, the games like this, it's not incredible or anything, but it is good writing, but the setting is insane. The setting is you are a, you are the so-called investigation freak. Get used to multiple characters calling you freak all the time, over and over again. Um, who's been in exile for three million days? That's an odd number. Not hyperbole. Literally, I mean, the game is very tongue-in-cheek. I cannot overstate that. Like it's very, like the tone is in, it's everywhere. It's like very serious and then incredibly silly. Um, but it, like, yeah, you're been in, you're, you're immortal. You've been in exile for 3 million days, um, because you got taken over by a God and made to do things that, uh, that endangered the council. You are brought out of exile because the council has been killed and you need to solve their murder. And in doing so, you go on this Island, this paradise, this is in, as far as I've pieced together, because None of this is like this is the most opaque game in the world. Like it, it <laughs> there is nothing that is told to you. You just encounter things in your first hour. You're like, what the fuck is happening? What the fuck are these people? Um, you jump, dumped. You're you're in exile. You're dumped on this island, which are made. These islands are built to be paradise for this small group of people, uh, of which you are a member. These immortals. And uh, they are trying to build a place that is perfect and then revive all the dead gods that they they value and or treasure and or once worshipped. You know, I got to be honest, this also makes me think of Wicked and Divine. (laughs) This is Wicked and Divine if... Karen Gillan just took mushrooms all day long. Like there is no well, the, the characters look a little bit like One Piece characters and like later One Piece characters. Yeah, the character designs are very, very manga inspired. Very clearly, yeah. Like One Piece is. I I see I see like sort of a One Piece kind of wackiness and looseness to it. There's like the the bold god. I mean, you get a you get 
you get a sense that they're godlike characters from the look of them because they have that big bombastic like rock star pop star quality to them that uh wicked and divine uh popularized or invented essentially um there there is and, and so you are so and you are the, the you are on the 24th 24th version of this island the next version has been made and people you are literally on the precipice of everyone moving over into this new island the only people who move over are all the immortals all the humans of which they are all slaves kidnapped from our world are all brutally sacrificed on the eve jesus god of moving over and you're trying to disentangle all of these different people and why why they certain people were killed and why these other people were killed there's not just and as you go on the game you find multiple other mysteries to investigate i think by the end of the game there are eight or nine of them uh, the game itself does an incredible job of organizing all this information for you. You do not have to remember it all because if you had to, it would be impossible. There are so many characters, so many different motivations, and so many different crimes and mysteries you're trying to investigate and juggle all at the same time. The game does a very good job of navigating all that for you. And so you just have to kind of make decisions about, oh, I think this person's guilty. I think that person's guilty. I think this person is guilty. Uh, the setting is incredibly unique. The world does feel real. The the world is everything is uh, all the all those characters are all sprite based. Everything is so you're just it feels very archaic. It feels like also feels incredibly grim because there is that like oh yeah all these humans are kidnapped and enslaved from the real world and then brutally sacrificed before they get to go before we move that the the privileged move on to this next island of which may be good or they might be disastrous we don't know but it feels in my head it was like vaporwave dark fantasy mm -hmm. that's what the the setting is it's this dark fantasy vaporwave idea the soundtrack is all very like the you know vaporwave type music uh the setting itself feels very vaporwave at times um, which is part of the tonal dissonance where you're like, it feels very light and airy. And then you're like, oh, yeah, here's a brutal murder. This person got their throat cut. And you're like, oh, OK. Uh, but it is very compelling. I could not stop playing. I did literally everything in the game. It took 15 hours. Interesting. Like I I'd left no stone unturned. I solved all the crimes. Uh, I got an ending and the game ended. I finished it with everything found basically. So it took 15 hours and that's me doing everything. You don't really need to, you can stop at any moment when you think you have enough evidence. Um, it's steam steam seems to think that it is similar to both disco Elysium and pathologic too. Ooh. Um, I mean, disco Elysium, I get, I think it's just the bizarre, like, playing with, um, I don't know, playing with tropes or... or yeah, I guess that's uh, fair. The g genre, like, basically postmodern video game uh, It is that. that is it is absolutely that, so that's probably right. Um, so I think that that's, that's, the, that's my takeaway from that grouping. Yeah. Um, Paradise Killer is good. I liked it a lot. Uh, you should... I don't I I would say I would suggest it. It's it's a fun time. 
it's actually quite funny at times as well. It has a lot of comedy in it, despite the grimness of it at times. Um, the YouTube channel I want to suggest is, again, one of those where you're like, oh, this is a, another YouTube channel that has over a million subscribers. I've never heard of it, and yet suddenly, now I'm like, oh, this is new. Oh, it's not new. It's been around for five years. Okay. Um, it is called How to Drink. Um, it, I have one of their one of their videos saved from back when everyone was obsessed with the Wellerman. Yes, the, I watched I watched their, their his Wellerman video where he made a, made a made the Rog, Wellerman made Rog. Yeah, made it invented a Wellerman uh, drink basically. Um, but it is it's just a dude uh, talking about the history of drinks, talking about cocktails and liquors and liqueurs and beer and. And and they're all really interesting and and, and kind of enlightening and dis- dispels some particular myths. Um, sometimes very very funny uh, and sometimes just kind of educational. And I'm as a person who likes to dabble, I guess, in uh, cocktails from time to time and, and does like a. I don't know. I'm curious about that stuff. And I think this is a lot of this is just me like secondhand experience of like, oh, I'm never going to buy that whiskey probably. But I am interested to see like this pretty educated man and taste it and talk about it and talk about the differences between these types of rums or these types of bourbons or why this is a whiskey and this is technically not, a you know, like all those little minor details about the differences in these different liquors and their history. Uh, I find it very interesting and it's a really good watch. Um, he's also a table, have, he's a tabletop. Okay, runner, so that also speaks to me. Yeah, there you go. Um, how to drink. Speaking of which, uh, really quickly, I have something that I should probably throw out there because a friend of mine has been running a very successful Kickstarter Oh, you mind if I plug it real quick? That's fine. I think you actually might be interested in at least taking a look at it. Um, he made a tabletop game. Uh, he did a really fucking good job. Like I was chatting with him the whole time uh, he was working on it. Is my friend Joe Martin, who goes by the moniker Internet Famous Joe Martin. So he, it's it's funny because he actually is the at least I think was a world record holder for one Gradius game or something. Um, and that's why he started. He's a, he's a nut. He's a crazy person. It's funny. <laughs> but this this lawman, um, an RPG of bounty hunters and shooting people for money. It's really interesting because he's really written it in his own very peculiar voice. It's very funny. Um, his art style really suits it. It's a, a lot of a lot of indie games, uh, whether tabletop or video games, like they really kind of live and die by having a unique, cohesive look. And this has a really great one. I have seen many iterations of the book that you get from pledging to this, and it's it looks great. Uh, I pledge to it, even though I will never play it. I just wanted to support my friend, but he posted. 50 minutes ago that it passed $20,000. Nice. Um, so I think you should look up Lawman, an RPG of bounty hunters and shooting people for money on Kickstarter. Check it out. 
I'll post a link uh, in the be, show notes. Yeah, yeah, I can send it to you. Um, but it is ending, I think, this Tuesday or Wednesday. So maybe a day or two after this episode comes out. So I suggest getting in on it. Um, he has done really remarkably well, and we're all very proud of him. All right. You ready to talk about, uh, well, speaking of tabletop, Eric. Mm-hmm. This is a, we got a lot of interwoven themes in this episode. We it's, do indeed. It's uh, it's amazing. It rhymes. It's almost like we pl- we planned this. Yeah, definitely. We don't. We definitely, no, we, we planned it. Definitely. We're oh. so smart. We're very smart people. Uh, we can move on to our final segment. It's time for Nearby Book Club. Nearby Book Club is the part of the show where Eric and I sign a longer collective work and discuss it in depth like you would a book in a book club, except it's a comic book. This week we are discussing Die, volumes 1 through 3, issues 1 through 15 by Karen Gillan, Stephanie Hans, Clayton Cowles, uh, and I would I would include Ryan Hughes as the designer because the design of this is eh, important time to time. Um, we read, what, two issues of this, maybe? No more than two, yeah. Yeah, back back way back when it first started. Um, Twenty eighteen, I think it said. Yeah. Um at least it the story was set in twenty eighteen, the, the the quote unquote now yeah. part of the story. Um so I feel like it was set in modern day, you know, contemporary to when it came out. Um I remember not liking this a whole heck of a lot. Um, and I'm just going to come out and say it. I kind of fucking love this. <laughs> oh, here we get giving Kieran Gillen of the tally. Boom. I, I mean, that's the thing. Like I should hate Kieran Gillen. Like I, I, I have just so many impulses to just fucking hate the guy. But like, I genuinely, I, I, I really like this. I like it way better than I thought. Um, and I don't know what it is. There really is just something about, it's just, it's like, it's just a more comfortable read and stuff. I don't know. It, it penetrates my mind deeper. I'm when we're reading it for book club, I don't know what it is. There's so much shit that I missed in this first and second issues that just like, I don't know why I don't know why I didn't catch this stuff. Like it was basically, it was basically almost immediately outed this person, uh, Ash Mm -hmm. as a closeted trans woman. Um, I don't know. This is, there's a lot of really interesting decisions in this and a lot of really interesting lore. This is a neat fucking book. Um, and I, I had such a good time reading it. It is, I, it's hard to describe, like it is so many things. It is, there's so, it there it are a lot of layers to it. Um, and a lot of influences on it. It is a book. I think even when we read it, the first, the first couple issues, I'm like, this book is made for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, based func- effectively, it's like this book, and there's a lot of people like me who are like, "Oh, they read this, and they go, oh, this was written for me,' and like that's what this book is for. It feels like it at first blanche, but it and it is very Kieran Gillen, you know. It it, it has yeah. a lot of those hallmarks, 
uh, from all of the stuff he's written. I would say Chuck is an incredibly Kieran Gillen character and that he really likes characters that are like swinging dick playboy punk dumbasses. Yeah. Like he really, he really likes that archetype. That um, the, the big tragic meathead. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, and it worked on me. I like him quite a lot. I love that his superpower is just basically dumb luck. The stupider, the stupider he acts, the luckier he gets. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. It's really good. They just like there's a giant, and he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> I can fight this." And you're like, "No, you can't." Fuck well, this. <laughs> oh God, no. But I mean, I it's... the 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 it is an ensemble story and it it every character feels full you know it feel they yeah. they each have their own spot just about every just about every character in this could carry a comic on their own um i i mean that that's how fun all this stuff is um just sort of because like i don't know like they they have they have a, a completely solid, uh, like real world backstory and this sort of superhero, like game character persona, you know, yeah. like, oh yeah, I'm this, this, uh, depressed guy who grew up being a, a black metalhead goth and a bunch, like multiple people in my family died and I've been battling depression my whole life. And and I'm a knight that kills people with my feelings. Yeah, like I, it's just like it's so much layering of really neat fucking ideas. Um, and it's not, and it's not just that though. Like that, that's the thing. Like every time you stop and go, like, oh, there's this neat aspect. You go, oh, wait, there's another thing to it because they're also having they crafted these personalities these these superhero archetypes these fantasy archetypes i guess sort of for a game but they crafted them when they were teenagers and now they're all in their 40s and they're coming back to this where they and they were in this place for a couple years missing vanished from the face of the earth and how was that time spent on on earth affected how are they inhabiting these roles you know these characters that they built for themselves and the the how time has either changed them or not changed them at all and also it's there's it's not just even that because it's also about how you play a game and and about fiction about like how you treat how you play games, like not even just role playing games, but video games. Like Chuck, we talked. You, you mentioned Chuck. Chuck, it, the all the time. He's like, oh, you're not real, you know. He, yeah. Like he is. In, he's like, he, he, and it like you see the growth in him even because he like there's one of the the two dwarfs that are following him around, and he's like, oh wow, you guys. I see they, they you, I didn't expect you to have, you know, I thought you were just one note RPG NPCs. And he just says it to their face. <laughs> you know, he just tells them, "Oh, you're not real. You're not a real person. I can do whatever I want to you." 
And you know, he has that attitude for quite a while where he's like, I just wouldn't. Yeah, he's treating it like Westworld. Yeah, it's not real. So who cares? What does it matter what I do? Even though it is very real. Mm hmm. Um, Well, I mean, Westworld was real. Westworld was real. Westworld was real. But I mean, those are the it's the same kind of questions about like, well, where does the game start and where does real life where does real life end? and Where does the game start? And when you are so affected by the things that happen in the game, you you can't just cut off those parts of you, especially when it's not just a figure on a television screen or a, a, a mini on a on a tabletop. You are inhabiting this role. You know, you are in it. And then there's also my God, all the different like it is also about creating art mm. and 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 your influences and the fact that they run into Tolkien and uh, uh, who else do they see? Um, uh, H.G. Wells. Yeah. Is it Bronte? I don't yeah, know. Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte Bronte. Yeah. Um, you never read you any know... ever never read any of Bronte sisters, Eric? No. Okay. Speaking of that, um, I had the thought going through this that this is almost kind of in in the same way that uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, I remember Nick Cannon Thunderbolt, but I don't think he's Nick Cannon. That's a different guy. Peter Cannon, that's his name. The same way that Peter Cannon is uh, a little bit, well, not even a little bit, it's a lot of bit of uh, uh, Gillen uh, deconstructing more. This is, I mean, in, uh, to come back to Sandman again, this is kind of uh, Kieran Gillen's world building, the dreaming Sandman sort of story about stories. Um, you know, not as literal a take as Peter Cannon was, as Nick Cannon was. Um, but I still think kind of apt, you know, the world is as important as any of the characters, you know, in the same way that the dreaming is as important. And it's got all these people sort of existing in this, this whatever space, this dreamscape that they're all sort of all living through at the same time. Some of them are playing an RPG and some of them are living in a, a story living out their power fantasies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really interesting that way. I, I, I kind of like looking at it through that lens. I, I mean, it certainly endears me to it a little bit more because I am not going to, I mean, I love fantasy art and tropes and things like that. Um, but I don't think that it's a tabletop RPG, but real life. No. You know, like I, I never, I didn't wank off to the D&D Saturday morning show either. No, there, um, there is, I mean, that that in and of itself, like, oh, it's D&D. Like there's the D&D movie and I have no idea what the story, they're making one. I have no idea what it is. I really, like... I hope it's just like a very silly fantasy, like that recent Jumanji movie where you have characters. You're saying they're making a D&D movie or they're making a die movie? They're making a D&D movie. And I it, believe they made a D&D movie only a couple of years ago. I mean, there was one that came out. Am like, I wrong? No, they did not make one a couple of years ago. They made one like 20 years ago. That was very bad. Um, that, that must be what I'm thinking of. 
it was 1998 or something. It came out right before the Lord of the Rings and it looks laughable compared to it. Um, they're, re- they're making a new Dungeons and Dragons movie. It's in production right now. And it, I think, I want to hope that they're just doing that plot. You said, Eric, like thousands. Yeah. Um, it is where it's just like, Oh, it's D and it's D D, but real, you know, like they drop into their characters and suddenly it's real life. That's... There were three movies in that series, and the last one came out in 2012. This is this is undoubtedly what I'm thinking of. I can't Im- ha- how no one watched. Okay, the first one was a abysmal bomb. It like lost a zillion dollars. Um, it also looks the dragons in it are like the worst looking dragons I've ever seen on film. Um, Jeremy Irons is fun in it. I'll tell you that. Um, Jeremy Irons is just like good. Yeah, he's, he's just, talented. He knows what he he knew. He knew what movie he was in. Marlon Wayans. I knew. I knew there was a fucking Wayans he brother in, in all these goddamn movies. Abysmal in that movie. Um, let's talk about. Let's just make this podcast about the 2000 Dungeons and Dragons movie. I no. mean, that's that's what this book is, right? Mm-hmm. See, that's it's the, the thing. It's the graphic novelization of that. Well, you could get away with that. You know, you could go like, oh yeah, it's just that. But Kieran Gunn's like, no, 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 We're going to put all this stuff in here. We're literally going to run into like, I'm like, wait a minute. Like that's and that's like issue three when you're like, oh, this is a World War, World War One trench, but it's all hobbits. And Tolkien just walks up and says, hey, and you're like, I, and I'm that is the moment I'm like, OK, Kieran Gillen, I see. OK, you're you're going for it. This is I mean, not. This Neil is not. Gaiman put Neil Gaiman put G.K. Chesterton in his fucking book. Exactly, and I think that's where you go. Oh, okay. And then you run into the Bron- Charlotte Bronte, and you run into H.G. Wells, and they're all their own masters of this place. And there's they the the the, the central mystery of like, well, what is this place? What is this? Because it's it is a place. People die here. And are and are are taken here clearly like they left Earth for years. That is demonstrable. This is not unreliable narrators. This is not a shared hallucination or whatever like that. They mm-hmm. disappeared. And not context, but text. And we're told, oh, that this this D twenty is going to take over the Earth. And you're like, what? Every, what, so everyone is going to be a character in this world? Is that what is going to happen? Or is the Earth just going to be destroyed? And you're like, I, and there's that central mystery of like, well, what is ha- what actually is this place? And it, it, it doesn't really matter. I don't really care. Like, I care about that central mystery, but I care about these characters. Mm-hmm. I care. I want to know what these characters do. I want to know their, the choices they make and their twists and turns and certainly the, the the world itself is interesting, but ultimately I'm like, no, I need to know what they're going to do. I need the I need to I need to know, like, see what depths they'll go to and also what how they'll redeem themselves, because that happens multiple times with characters, uh, even in just three volumes. We we see characters sink to certain sink to low depths and then redeem themselves in certain ways. Um, fascinating archetypes all the characters inhabit as well. Like, they're not ever the most obvious thing. Like, the fact that, you know, we talk about Chuck's power, you know, luck, Mm -hmm. and the grief knight, but then there's, like, uh, Angela, Neo, where she needs money. 
Like literally, she needs gold, elven gold or whatever it is. It's fae, fair, I fair, think. fair gold, which is the fair. Yeah. Is like I mean, their... I think it. I, th- I think that it's you're. It is. It is fair. Yes, but I think it's supposed to be like not a pun. I don't know. It's building on the scaffolding of like fae, the fae people. Well, it's. I mean, it's, it's drawing upon. All of it, like there's, it's not mm-hmm. like again the game. It's not subtle in moments where you like literally have Tolkien walking down, uh, walking through a World War World War trench, and H. E. Wells flies away in a time machine. You know, it's not trying to. Be, and there's invisible, invisible men. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's not subtle about its influences. Kieran going, it's just like no, this is what the fizz. Um, it's, it's it's what if what if the Fae were written by William Gibson. I think he literally says in this, he says I mean, those words. Did you read any of the uh, after material? Do you, what, do, what, what do you think? No, you didn't even glance at it, is my guess. I cannot remember reading uh, more than two or three words of it, yes. Well, I read mul- I read multiple of them, uh, and Kieran mm-hmm. Dillon is just like, like t- he, he tells a story, uh, which I thought was very funny, uh, about how they were watching Lord of the Rings when it first came out. And Kieran mm-hmm. Gillen absolutely adored Tolkien and researched the hell out of Tolkien and knew, knew so much about Tolkien. And he tells it like they were watching the movie for the first time with his friends. And he, at the very first, what was it? He just made a, like, this is why he said, oh, he said something about why, uh, the elves are the way they are, you know? And he said, Oh, it's because Tolkien, uh, liked this certain thing when he was eight, when he was 12 years old. Uh, and that's why the elves are the way they are. Um, and then every time, apparently the rest of the movie, all his friends just ragged on him at, at every step along the way. Every time any character did anything, the rest of his friends are like, Oh, I bet, I bet the, the hobbits eat bread because Tolkien loved bread. Just constantly. And I'm just like, Oh, that's very funny. I, I, I imagine being friends with Karen Gillen. It, it, it is a lot of making fun of him for being a fucking pretentious shit. A lot of the times. I, and like I, I don't know. I really like that. You know, he's gonna fucking go off on a rant about '60s close harmony girl groups and yeah, and, and, to- and, and I'm just it, people. Someone, someone has to in a very dramatic reading, like like roll their eyes at him and say, "Oh, brother," you know? <laughs> yes. Um, it, but th- this is but this is th- this book is pretentious, I guess. Uh, I mean, I think everything he does has a certain degree of pretentiousness to it. And I think I have to eat a lot of my feelings about that. Um, I, I but I, 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 this is the thing I thought I could never enjoy. <laughs> and it's it's fucking I I'm I'm kind of in love with it. Yeah, it's it it it's amongst the canon of my favorite things that he's done. Um, I, I do, I, I'm even starting to see, I'm even starting, like, I think, I think there's a lot of value to making 
I mean, like, fuck, it's the shit that I make, you know, mm-hmm. the the self-indulgent fucking bullshit, you know, that makes you happy and make it as passionately uh, as you can. I, I mean, like, I, th- I, I, I admire that, I suppose. Well, I mean, I think the thing that separates this from other like we use usually when we call something self-indulgent, we it is a pejorative. We mm-hmm. we largely are like this guy they this person just did whatever they wanted and then tried to sell it to us and just labeled it here's a story and like there's no story here, there's no characters. This is just you drawing whatever you wanted to draw or something like that. There's this is it is self-indulgent. It is certainly mm-hmm. Kieran Gillen going like I wanna do a story where these characters are in a fantasy tabletop setting or drawn into it. Yeah. And then they run into freaking Tolkien or, or HG Wells. I want to do that. How do I make that work? But then he grounds it in incredible character work and mm-hmm. a, a compelling story that makes sense. And it never devolves into just nonsense. That doesn't matter. Everything feels like it matters. All these characters feel like they matter there is yeah. there there is that craft that I think separates a lot of what you know when you look at his work and you're like oh look at this wanky nonsense where he's just doing whatever he wants to do and you're like well th- he's an auteur and I think that's I would describe Kieran Gillen as an auteur like the truest sense of the word where he makes art that at this point is just uniquely to him, unique to him and he doesn't necessarily sacrifice or or um cut things that he thinks people won't like just for the sake of it. He includes things as long as he thinks they're relevant and valuable. And because he's a very competent comic book writer, it ends up being great art. Mm. Um, speaking of the art in this, um, I, 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 I love it. I love uh, Stephanie Hahn's work in this. It It's, I think it really comes into its own after the brief period where we read it. Yeah. Um, I think they were just really putting a lot of world building and heavy lifting on her, which once she got up to, you know, once she got up to speed fully, she's really very, very pulling it off. Um, I think the, the earlier, I mean, I, it's kind of, it's kind of the story throughout it that it's a lot of, emotive faces and things and maybe kind of telling the story more in the way, more in the language of film and less in the language of comics. Um, but I think that's going to just be my pet peeve forever. It's a thing I'm going to always, I'm just always going to talk about storytelling forever. Um, but I still think it smooths itself out. You know, I feel like we, do we do get a sense of her world building and her character work and the characters become more clear and discreet both in our minds as we read and spend more time with the characters, but also in the development of the art across this um, couple of year long series at this point. Yeah. I, um, I, I it, think it just keeps getting richer and richer. Well, I, I think it is also the, the problem, like those first couple issues there's a lot of pages with every character, you know, all at once. And you're, and it's kind of overwhelming. And then as the story continues, characters also, it was all, it was also very monochromatic, which was a huge mistake. It became, 
there were they were telling a lot of story later on with color um and it makes it easier to differentiate people from each other yeah um, i mean i and i think that i want to contribute that to like oh well that first issue is in the real world and they wanted to make it kind of drab or whatever mm-hmm. and this and this oh but, and yeah and that's fine but everything was fucking red it also had the the weird like there were th- there were two women on one side and then there were three women and two of them were blonde so i thought they were the same person for the longest time and didn't realize that one character was a closeted trans woman um i i absolutely had no idea that was fucking text in this kind of on that note this is a this is maybe a departure from discussing the art uh, but I think it relates to the character of Ash. Was Ash in love uh, with Sol Solomon back in the day? I don't know. I mean, I think that's the point. I think it is. I, I feel like I feel like it was the case. And uh, oh gosh, what is her name? The uh, the Asian girl who's the the Godbinder, uh, Isabel. I think that was the point of contention there that Solomon started dating Isabel and this was, you know, this was get your hands off of my man energy, um, which is why they hated each other for so long and also kind of led to, I don't know, she was, she alludes to being transphobic back in the day but I can imagine that it only added to their kind of, you know, their, the, the two years that we don't see where they're kids on an adventure. Yeah. I mean, I think that is all of it is heavily implied at times. Like I like certainly the, I don't know. I don't even know if it's transphobic language is just homophobic language. Cause I don't know if Dominic himself in the real world it certainly is closeted. I don't know if like he talks about kissing boys. So is, mm-hmm. but Saul is Dominic is, uh, you know, like that, that, that and there's, and in that is true. I think it's that obfuscation is clearest in Ash and Dominic because mm-hmm. obviously, Oh, Ash is a female character in the war in the game, but in real life, it's a man. We, and there, but, that that level of obfuscation is there with every character, just in a, in a smaller way. But I feel like there is certainly a implication that Ash has. I don't know. She literally calls herself an unreliable narrator at at a certain point, and I just took that as gospel from the very beginning. I I never once says oh this is a like and I think as we bounce around I'm like no this is true like one hundred percent there's all this is all and I like I give Kieran Grun- killing Kieran Gillen credit for he's absolutely trying to blur truth and reality between all these characters memories and how obviously they were teenagers and then they were teenagers in this horror world basically functionally becomes this hell this hellscape they live in to get trying to escape for two years and then thrust back into the real world and like this there's this this it's basically like a gears just grinding the truth 
into well, what happened and how do they all remember it all happening? And obviously they've gone through all this trauma together and that binds them in a certain way. And you can see Ash certainly caring probably more than everyone else about Saul, even if she does kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he's not, he's fallen, which is another question about, you know, the fallen are yeah. the people who died in the world who are real, but then how, how did they die if they, they were the first people like there's the, and the, the, then like that, we haven't even talked about like all the time manipulation stuff and past and present and how the, like the things I got to admit, I'm getting a little muddled on those points. I mean, it don't, I don't think it necessarily. I don't think it matters if you actually grasp it. Like I, it's not actually that complicated. Like the, the, the temporal, you know, shenanigans, there's, there's other fiction that plays around with it a lot harder than this does, but it's still there. And when you add in all the other stuff we've already talked about, it gets like very like, Oh God, there's so much going on. It's so, and like, I was going to actually mention that this book is relatively like it is at both. I don't know. It feels dense you know it feels like there is a lot of definitely very dense yeah it feels like there's a lot of even though no no one page it it's not like you know it's not uh uncle scrooge you know it's not scrooge mcduck adventure comics old you know old style adventure comics dense or chris claremont dense but there's certainly still a lot of information being given to you on every single page and i don't know where i like it can be intimidating. It can be overwhelming even. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it also does a really good job of starting and restarting uh, kind of in media's res. Like there will be things that are alluded to and obvious fights they've gotten into or events that happen off page. And, you know, unlike a, a, a <clears throat> Grant Morrison, um, you know, when something happens off page and they allude to it, you can you you can piece it together. Um, that's just sort of a I, Gillen has a superpower. This is one of the most complicated things he's ever written, and it still is relatively clear. But like you know, like I said, like I think that the the time travel whatever the fuck is happening um, feels just like a lot of nonsense to me, and I feel like it's still pretty easy to get the through line and understand the characters and understand their motivations, um, kind of running roughshod over that and ignoring it. Yeah. I mean, um, I think, I mean, I think that's what carries everything that it's because I mean, we've, we say this all the time with books that get in like, here's lore, here's lore, here's the world setting. And you're like, and character, you ground everything in these characters and Maybe your world is complicated and maybe the lore is dense and maybe there's a lot of stuff happening all at once and it can be confusing to your reader. If your characters are strong and mm-hmm. and feel real and you get people invested in them, it does not matter how complicated your world or your plot is. The characters will carry your audience through it. Very and, well said. And these characters do that like can I recount everything that happened in this comic book? No, but I certainly care about, you know, Chuck and poor Matt. I care, you know, I don't, I, I, I want them to get out. Of, I want them to be okay. You know, I care about them. It, it feels like in that, in that very, like, I think we 
mentioned that I don't know. I I think I've mentioned this before. Like Watchmen is that very much like that gold standard of like every single character feels nuanced and depth and, and deep. And that this is the, a big ensemble cast where you care about everyone. This is a mm. big ensemble cast where I care about everyone. Um, it's great. I'm upset. I don't have there's it's I'm upset it's not done, so I can't go read more of it effectively. Like there's only two more issues than this are out right now, and I'm like, well, that's not enough. I want to know what happens. I want to see what these guys do. Ah, <sighs> Karen Gellin, you're killing me, making me care about these people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Eric, I have a question for you. Three questions in one episode. I know. Is there a better writer? right now than Karen Gillen in comic books. He is dethroning a lot of working people today in my, in my, in, in my mountain Rushmore. Um, two, two people that were in top spots there, uh, have not really been doing maybe quite as much work lately, you know, in, uh, in that, in Jason Aaron and, uh, Brian K Vaughn. Don't know what Vaughn's doing, but we have read uh, we've read a series or two by Aaron lately, and they're good. You know, Saga's coming not back. The... Saga's coming well, back that's, soon. That's 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 interesting to know. Fiona Staples. Um, took, they took a year off to give Fiona Staples time <laughs> to rest. Let her let her take a nap. Yeah, and now that she said she's gotten two or three issues already in the can, so they're they'll be back soon. Good for her. I hope it's tremendous. Um, but I think because of that hiatus, it's hard to it's it's hard to put him on that same pedestal. Uh, a couple a couple of these creators have gotten canceled and need to need to not talk about them. So I I cannot think of too many uh, that I would put ahead of this, which is current and ongoing uh, and very very good um i can think of very few things ongoing that i enjoy uh more than this maybe uh, maybe you could make the argument they haven't ended immortal hulk yet have they two more issues i would say that that is pretty neck and neck uh i'm obviously not current um you're you're relatively current you know, yeah, we read a lot of it. We, we're only a few trades behind at this point. Yeah, um, I mean it. It's thoroughly excellent. Some of the best Marvel work I've read in years. Al Ewing absolutely wrecked it. Um, this is just just such a fucking delightful surprise. I'm really, really quite happy with this. I, I think in a round that's a roundabout way of saying that yes, I, I, I can't think of who better. I can't think of no one. Yeah. Who I can't think of a soul. Who better than Gillen? That's no, right. Nobody our, better. Is that that's that's your Brian Cage? Well, was it was yeah, it's Cage now. It was Canyon back in the day, but yeah, Cage took it from him because he's a, he taught Canyon taught uh, Brian Cage. So, that's good to know. Canyon. It really didn't feel very natural when Cage said it. Canyon was ahead of his time. Tragedy uh, what happened to him. Um Wrestling. We had to get wrestling talk in here. We had to. A very important. It would not. Do- it would not be a handsome boys podcast without. Yeah. At least offhandedly mentioning uh, wrestling. Um, without a little bit of Mark talk. No, I. 
don't think there is a comic book writer, and that's, I mean, just a writer. I, I, I put, you know, people like Daniel Warren Johnson, you know, I writer, was writer slash artist. in a different category. I put them, I separate, you know, the, the writer slash artist who, write, who draws their own stuff. Um, if we're just speaking of strictly writers, I don't think there is a person over the past 10 years who has been as consistently great as Karen Gillan who has consistently put out great mm-hmm. thing after great thing after great thing, regardless of who he works with. There are all, yeah. he obviously picks great artists, but there is, there are no losers. You know, he doesn't put out like a, six books a month, but every single book he writes is great. And I would be happy to have in my collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if there is a better metric for, yeah, the best, you know, it it surprises me as much as anything to say it, that maybe he's my favorite comic book writer right now. That that is shocking. Karen, you Gillen, know, Karen Gillan just felt like a shiver go up the back of his spine. He's like, oh, maybe so. Maybe he's like, oh, I mean, happened? 2016, Eric just had a, <laughs> a chill go up of his spine. You, you have to travel back in time to tell <laughs> Eric feel like someone walked all over my grave. Oh, good. Now we're getting Tombstone in there. Love it. That's, I, I, I figured you wouldn't miss that. I love Tombstone. Um, We've never really talked about Tombstone, which is interesting. I love it. It's so good. I, I, I That's a thing that I know about you, and we've never really had a conversation about that movie. Not that we need to right now. We should, we should just <laughs> add an extra half hour to this podcast just us talking about Tombstone. <laughs> Yeah, that's our that's our next podcast project is just talking about Tombstone every episode. It's going to be like uh, the worst idea uh, of all time where they watch Sex mm-hmm. in the City every every week. Uh, Sex in the City 2 every week. Uh, we're going to just talk about Tombstone every week. Uh, t- here in Tombstone Talk, episode three, talk about mustaches. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this is Die. Die is great. With a capital G, I consider this a great comic book. Uh, you should go read it. You should go buy it. You should tell all your friends to read it. It's fantastic. Um, our next book for next week is 1963 um, by Alan Moore with multiple artists all uh, doing, I, I, I don't know, an early 60s Marvel pastiche, but also not I feel that. like it's a lot of Rick Veach, isn't it? Yeah, it is I Rick Veach, it is a bunch of... Steve Bissett, John Totalben. Good good luck finding it. It's not in print or available digitally anywhere. Yeah, so that's why we're doing a podcast so, on it. So you uh, are you cannot possibly read this thing that we're going to talk about. Yep. Fucking suck it, Tranch. Alan Moore, the original artist. No, I don't want anyone reading my comic books. Thank you very much. <laughs> Please, no. Please stop reading my comic books. I do not want to make any money. I like living in my small cabin with my wife. Thank you. Wife. My wife. Wife. I'm working on a two million word novel. It's about <laughs> it's about the dirt outside my house. been a while this since is, we had a we had an alan moore yeah. monologue um that'll do it for us that's next time 1963 in two weeks uh 
what do we how do I do this? I say handsboyscomicshour.com is our website. You can find everything we do there, all our links there, links to Facebook, Facebook.com slash handsboyscomicshour, Twitter at HBCR. You can email us at handsboyscomics at gmail.com. If you like the show, please subscribe to it. Tell your friends about it, rate it highly on whatever podcast app you use. Uh it uh is different for every single app and sometimes very complicated but we appreciate everyone who does take the time it helps us find the listeners we really appreciate that you can find me online on twitter at robbie dorman and my website is robbiedorman.com it's my name just like my twitter uh, you can find links there to all my other podcasts and links to purchase my horror novels my newest novel death rattle is coming out soon i'd love for you to go pre-order it uh you heard a little spiel uh featuring the voice of uh eric Z good night. Uh, some uh, some sexy bit. Some sexy bastard. Um, uh, that's on Amazon. You can find it there. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. I'd love for you to pre-order it. Those really help me out. Eric, where can they find you and your things online? Well, you can see uh, my portfolio at freewillunlimited.com and most of the other things I get up to online at ericzgoodnight.com. That includes various social media uh, and my Twitch streaming channel, um, Twitter and Instagram. I'm known on all of these services as Easy Goodnight. With that, folks, we will call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll.